America, anti-hat, as you were. Or some people say, smoke them if you got them. Or if you other people don't understand what I mean, let me try this one here. Hands on your knees, hands on your knees. Big girls, won't you clap your hands? Troops, I need to address something with you. I don't normally do this, but I gotta tell y'all something. It's not nice to make fun of the lame and deflected, especially if he's your president. All of you people are out here giving Joe Biden a hard time for using the term Negro. Let me tell y'all something. With me being of predominantly minority Negro descent, I find having to find the word Negro to be refreshing. I happen to find it to be far more refreshing than that other nasty N-word that y'all like to use. And y'all have to understand that Joe used this word in context with Satchel Paige. See, some of y'all don't know this, but Satchel Paige was in fact a Negro. And he was playing in what was called at that time, the Negro League. It wasn't like he was a Puerto Rican trying to play in the Puerto Rican League. See, and when they asked him about his comments about Satchel Paige, Joe Biden was forthright and honest. He said that he found Satchel Paige to be a credit to his race. He said that he found Satchel Paige to be one of the good ones. He said that he thought that Satchel Paige was worth every dime that his family paid for him. Okay? See, people are trying to act like they think that Joe Biden is too old. Joe Biden ain't nothing but 137 years old. Joe Biden still follows everything that goes on. He follows football. As a matter of fact, they asked him about the NFL and Cam Newton's play yesterday since he started with the Panthers. And Joe Biden actually went back and quoted Rick James. And he said, they never should have given those Negroes money. <laughs> Let me tell y'all something, man. It's a proud day to be an American, okay? Because we saw America's team get the big win yesterday. And I mean, honestly, y'all, what is more American than the NFL and Peach Cobbler? And by America's team, I'm not talking about that group of dopes, them group of wannabe do-gooders, them Michael Irvin minions, them good boys down there in Dallas. No, I'm not talking about the Dallas Cowboys. I'm talking about the Kansas City Chiefs. Well, let me tell y'all something. Whenever the Kansas City Chiefs win, America just feels better. Everyone in America just wakes up feeling better the next day because the Chiefs won. And when they win, it just gives America hope. Speaking of hope, hey man, I hope you guys is hitting the like button, you're hitting the subscribe button, and I hope you're getting that merch. And for those of you that are wondering about the fearless camo condoms, yes, they're coming, and yes, we're getting them in magnums, and yes, they will be available in eight packs. Ladies and gentlemen, with no further delays or ados, I bring to you a man that's wise beyond his years. He's a credit to his race. The Neanderthal people love him. He serves his people proud. Jason too is what we call a true American. When he heard the phrase, ask not what you can do for your country, but ask what your country can do for you without, without hesitation. Jason immediately replied, I'll take another order of wings, please. All right, listen, I need you people, members of the fearless army, I need you to mount up. I need you to repeat after me and repeat the fearless motto. 
that we shall exist in a state of man glorious. And as we are always protected by the red, the white, and the blue. And remember, it's the land of the free and the home of the chiefs. Yes! Hey man, we got a great show for everybody today. We got Dave Shannon. He's joining us from Idaho. I'm gonna be honest with you. He's the only brother I know that's willing to live in Idaho and admit that he's happy to do it. Also, we got Jackie P, Jack Psycho, Jack Pipe, Piot, the man with the receipts. Jason will be discussing the written hire trial with both these gentlemen. And we're also gonna have the real TJ, the TJ Moe coming in to give his opinion on Aaron Rodgers and the COVID. Hey man, I told you before, I'm gonna say it again. Hit the like button, phone a friend, hit the prescribe button, hit the prescription button. But right now I need y'all to give it up to a man that's so big that the last time he tried to do jumping jacks, he got stuck in midair. Hey man, give it up for my guy, Big Jason Whitlock. Waga. Uncle Jimmy, uh, thank you for that introduction, I think. But it, I'm so big, I jumped in the air and I got stuck in midair. Uh, I'm not sure how I feel about that. That may take me some time to figure out. All right, uh, happy Monday. Uh, Uncle Jimmy's already set us up for a fantastic show. That means I can get right to my fire starter. And you know what? I don't even feel right calling it a fire starter today because I'm so afraid of what's going to happen across this country tonight, tomorrow, uh, this week, because we actually have a fire starter going on in Kenosha, Wisconsin, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, but I'm going to take a little bit of a delayed route to getting to my topic uh, as I begin this fire starter, although I kind of reluctantly call it that. But anyway, uh, this weekend, while appearing on Life, Liberty, and Levin, I butchered a famous quote by Voltaire, the 18th century French philosopher and culture critic. I was using Voltaire to explain 21st century America. The prolific writer said, those who can make you believe absurdities can make you commit atrocities. I applied the quote to the overreaction to the Capitol riot on January 6th. Corporate media, social media, and many of our lawmakers have absurdly defined the mostly peaceful riot to an insurrection or the most dangerous attack on American democracy since Pearl Harbor. The absurd analogy has justified the atrocity of treating the rioters as domestic terrorists. On Saturday, I gave a speech in West Palm Beach, Florida. I used Voltaire again. I talked about the 1965 Moynihan Report. It was written by sociologist Daniel Patrick Moynihan, the Assistant Secretary of Labor in the Johnson administration. The Moynihan Report called for investment in the black family in general and investment in, the black, in black men in particular. Corporate media framed Moynihan and the report as racist. 
President Johnson pulled his support of Moynihan's suggested initiatives and implemented his Great Society welfare agenda. It was absurd to frame Moynihan's call for investment in black family as racist. I told my Florida audience that 56 years later, as 75% of black children are born into fatherless homes, we're living with the atrocity of the absurd smearing of Moynihan. Those who can make you believe absurdities can make you commit atrocities. This week, Kenosha, Wisconsin, for the second time in 15 months, may be living with the consequences of selling absurdities as truth. Today, a jury heard closing arguments in the Kyle Rittenhouse murder trial. If the, jury, if the jury justifiably acquits Rittenhouse of all serious charges, it is expected that mostly peaceful rioters, looters, and arsonists will peacefully riot, loot, and burn certain areas of Kenosha. Wisconsin Governor Tony Evers has already summoned 500 National Guardsmen to help police Kenosha and surrounding areas. Corporate media have greatly exaggerated Kyle Rittenhouse's importance to American culture. He is on trial for murder because of that exaggeration. There is ample video evidence and eyewitness testimony to substantiate that Rittenhouse fired his rifle in self-defense a year ago. The first victim, Joseph Rosenbaum, suffered bipolar disorder. He'd previously served a long stint in prison for molesting a minor. Hours before being shot by Rittenhouse, Rosenbaum had been released from a mental hospital. He was in a psych ward for an attempted suicide. Rosenbaum had a death wish. That's why he attacked Rittenhouse and tried to wrestle away Rittenhouse's AR-15 rifle. The second victim, Anthony Huber, clubbed Rittenhouse with a skateboard. It's all on video. Huber had a criminal record for a domestic assault. The third victim, Gage Grosskreutz, admitted walking up to Rittenhouse and pointing a gun at Rittenhouse's head. Rittenhouse acted in self-defense. He should not be on trial for murder. There's no proof that Rittenhouse is a white supremacist as it has been insinuated by our president, Joe Biden, and many people in the media. Rittenhouse is white. All three of his victims were white. Rittenhouse lived in Illinois with his mother. His father lived in Kenosha. It's not difficult to understand how and why he felt compelled to go to Kenosha and attempt to protect businesses and citizens there. You can argue whether a 17-year-old should have involved himself in a situation as volatile as Kenosha, but he's not on trial for visiting Kenosha. He's on trial for murder. He's on trial for whether he acted in self-defense. The Rittenhouse trial is an atrocity. The riots that ravaged Kenosha in the aftermath of Jacob Blake being shot by cops were an atrocity. Corporate media framed the shooting of Blake as an unarmed, innocent black man being shot by racist white cops for no reason. Blake was armed with a knife, had wrestled with police, and had an arrest warrant for sexual assault. The media keeps stacking absurdities on top of absurdities, 
and no one wants to take responsibility for the inevitable atrocities. If the jury follows the law and common sense, Rittenhouse will be acquitted this week and violence will erupt in Wisconsin and perhaps in other parts of America. Much of Voltaire's critique of France was accurate. He died a decade before the French Revolution. The death of America will be the final atrocity caused by the American media's love of absurdity. I wrapped up my conversation with Mark Levin and in Florida talking about our love affair with absurdities and the inevitable atrocities. I talked about how the media and America's love affair with dishonesty is an attack on truth and therefore any attack on truth is actually an attack on God. And that's why I believe this is a battle of good versus evil. You can't sustain a country based completely on lies and fabrications and a refusal to acknowledge truth. And it's like the agenda is always far more important than the truth. And so as long as you're on the right agenda narrative, it doesn't matter how you get there. I, I, I think we have, before we get today, I think we have the, the I sent over a clip or a, the, the um, Nina Turner, politician out of Ohio, today, this afternoon, tweeted out something about Cal Rittenhouse and uh, how, oh yeah, here it is. Tweeted out, a white woman drove her white son across state lines with an AR-15 where he then killed two people and wounded a third. Jacob Blake was shot in the back by this same police department for less. This is a politician who's all over TV, put out there, it's supposed to be some sort of beacon of truth or, or, or everybody knows for all, Solid six months, easy. He didn't drive across state lines with an AR-15. The gun was purchased in Wisconsin. It stayed in Wisconsin. The judge ruled today when he threw out the gun charges against Kyle Rittenhouse. It was obtained legally. It was used, you know, or it was, he broke no laws, even at age 17. Everybody knows this but we're pushing out these lies to support a bogus narrative. It's crazy. We've got to snap out of this. We can't tolerate this from people in the media, from political figures. They're sowing the seeds of discontent and chaos and anarchy. They're promoting atrocities with lies. Give people the truth. They'll make better decisions. We won't have all this racial division if we just dealt with the facts. This guy, this kid lived 20 minutes from Kenosha. We're acting like he went on a caravan from California to Wisconsin. He didn't. He didn't live that far from his dad. I think they say he worked in Kenosha. 
This was his community. Certainly his dad's community. He and his mother lived 20, 25 minutes away. None of these facts people are aware of. People aren't, weren't even aware that his victims were white. I, I had a friend text me this weekend pictures of the victims. I had no idea that they were white. I was like, of course. I want to roll out uh, to Idaho and bring in our man Dave Shannon, a.k.a. Chocolate Knox, one of the hosts of Cross Politic, one of the smartest men I know. Uh, Dave, do you think I'm wrong here for uh, suggesting that this love affair we have with dishonesty, I, I think it's an attack on God. I, I go straight to this is sacrilegious, this is satanic, that, that if a, a world that exists where the truth, where truth is irrelevant, has no choice but to be a place of evil and wickedness. Am, am I wrong for drawing that analogy? No, no, brother. Absolutely, you're absolutely right. You know, you got to remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, right? No one comes to the Father but through me. So anybody who doesn't love truth is in complete opposition to who Jesus absolutely was. Um, and, and part of what you're getting at here, Jason, that I think is so important is you said it earlier in your monologue, this narrative that is being pushed right now is the main reason why they're after Kyle Rittenhouse. It isn't about Kyle Rittenhouse. Anybody who knows this, who's been paying attention to this case, this is absolutely about the narrative of sins and crimes. And this is why we say this is about God. This, this is absolutely right. So when we, they want to be able to merge this false God, the state to take care of sins and crimes. And what that's doing is blurring sphere sovereignty. And I'll get to what that means. Sphere sovereignty is this idea that God has established four sets of spheres in society. It's personal responsibility. That's one set of spheres of government that operates you as an individual operating in personal responsibility. The other sphere of government is actually the family. They have a form of responsibility and sphere sovereignty that they operate in. The other one is the church. The church is a government that God established, a sovereign sphere to operate and has bounds in which it operates. And the last one is the government. The government actually has its own form of sovereignty and operation that it has authority over. And what the left is doing by creating and pushing lies is trying to get the government to operate in the sovereignty of being the judge of both sins and crimes. They're taking those other three spheres of personal responsibility, the family and the church, and they're merging it all into the, the civil magistrate. And the civil magistrate is not a dad. The civil magistrate is not a pastor. The civil magistrate is not you. What they do, the only thing that the civil magistrate does is punish bad guys and reward good and protect people who are vulnerable, mostly the poor. And so here's an example. If you take somebody, you operate through that sphere, your dad is supposed to be the one that spanks your butt for being a racist. Your dad is supposed to be the one that punish you for not loving your neighbor, right? Disciplines you, but they do it in a way to correct you. They don't do it in a way to take your life. And then the church has a responsibility in their sphere to say, hold on, you're not loving your neighbor. You're not treating them in a kind way and they can discipline you in that way. What we see happening is they people don't want that kind of operation. They want to 
tell the civil magistrate they can be your your parents, right? They're the ones who are in control of your kids. They want to say that, hey, you you have to dress the way we tell you to dress. You have to put on your face and put in your body the things that we want you to put in your body. You worship at the altar of the civil magistrate. And so if they can create enough lies and push this narrative a particular way, they can make you believe that the civil magistrate is God. And then if they can operate within the civil magistrate, they can get you to bow down at that altar. And that's why people keep thinking that this is ultimately about Kyle Rittenhouse. No, no, no. You're right, Jason. This is all about who's God. Is God God the one who has established these four spheres? Or is the civil magistrate God and they get to do everything and anything they want to do without any holds or bars. And so when we have lies, what we're doing is restructuring the system to operate outside of the means that God has had it operate. So we get stuff like riots. You remember, like, it was, my goodness, could you imagine, Jason, your mom, my mom, your dad, if they would have let us operate in such a way in that they would have had our throats. Wouldn't have, the only thing we would have needed a police officer for, the only thing we would have needed some civil magistrate for was to protect us from our parents. You know, and so right now what we're seeing is a is like a vehicle that's supposed to have four wheels and it's driving around on one. And that's because we're not doing things the way that God said we should be doing them. Dave, I want to. Just because you I, I love your explanation and I just I want to simplify it or not even simplify. It. I want to have a different discussion for people that are non-believers just yeah. to understand what I believe also is at stake here in, in terms of. Th- it's almost like are they trying to outlaw self-defense in That's terms right. of like th- th- there's that the individual. And again, this has been an American freedom since the very inception of this country, that you have a right to defend yourself, you have a right to arm yourself, that you, the individual, is primarily responsible for your welfare and safety first. And it seems like the part of what the Rittenhouse case is about is like saying, okay, our group of terrorists that we support, Antifa, Black Lives Matter, whatever, they can do whatever they want. They can burn your cities down. They, they can loot your businesses. They can uh, uh, riot whenever they want, anything they disagree with. You can do nothing to defend yourself or defend your property or defend your community if our group of Black Lives Matter Antifa does anything to you, you can't stay at home and just keep your head down and wait till it's over. Take no steps to defend yourself or your property. That also seems to be at stake here in this case. Yeah. And, you know, just to address that, too, especially for somebody who's not a believer, not a Christian, you know, one of the things that I want to say is that this world, the God that made this world, made it so that people who are non-believers can even live in it with those type of wonderful truths that I'm supposed to love you, my neighbor, even if you're not a believer. And what they're doing, especially with the Rittenhouse thing, is taking away your self-defense, like you said. And, and if they do that, then they open the door to say that that property doesn't belong to you anymore. It's, it's self-defense, but it's also personal property. What they're doing is removing saying that property is officially my property and I can do whatever with that property that I want to do. And you trying to defend that property is actually taking away something from me that is mine. That's what they're trying to do with this. And so, yeah, I mean, Jason, 
I, I, I'm a little, this is really surprising to me that I'm seeing people who claim Black Lives Matter, who have that narrative, that are pushing that, that tone and that feel, all of a sudden have taken the side of mobs and mob justice and don't have a respect for people's property. Jason, I, I thought we didn't like Black Wall Street and what happened with that, where a mob found a little boy, or I'm sorry, 17, 19-year-old guy, um, found him guilty before a trial and wanted to lynch him on the same day that he accidentally stumped, uh, fell into a white woman. I, I thought we didn't like Emmett Till. I thought it was wrong to take and string a black boy up and drag him and, and not give him a fair trial. I don't understand these people who are out here who now claim to support the, the lives of black people who don't want to go through a real trial and through real justice and instead want some sort of mob influence and to take away property of individuals. We, we hate that, right? That's what we were opposed to. That's, that's what our grandparents fought for, right? Look, following in on that point of view, I'm just, this is a dispute between four white people. Kyle Rittenhouse is white. The three people that sh were shot were white. I, I can't understand why we as black people are so invested in this case and somehow what happens with Kyle Rittenhouse says all these things about us. And I, I know I, I quoted Nina Turner here who, you know, had, if Kyle Rittenhouse were black, he would have been killed for holding that weapon. What's a justice system without justice? Mm. I mean, this is so far removed from reality in terms of, I don't know what neighborhoods Nina Turner grew up in, lives in now, what she represents, but the neighborhoods where I spent some time, grew up in for some time, have family members still there, there's an awful lot of young black kids running around with weapons who have not been shot by police. And, mm. you know, it's just, they're creating this false theoretical world over social media where you can say anything. I'm, I'm looking, this has 1,600 likes. It was put out two hours ago, 1,600 likes. And, and like, who's, who's seen truth in that? You know, just a month ago in Texas, black kid, I think his name's Timothy Simpkins, took a gun to school, shot four people, and was out on bond 24 hours later? And, and who, who lives in that world and tweets out this kind of garbage, like, oh, a black kid with a gun, he shot on sight. That's just not true. The people that live in that kind of world, Jason, are the people who are trying to take the blindfold off of Lady Justice. That's who lives in that world. And that's disappointing. You know, listen to what she says. She's talking about black this and black that. I'm going to say something that people are going to like. There's no such thing as racial justice, period, dot the end. Racial justice, justice doesn't need an adjective in front of it. And what people are trying to do is pull off the blindfold of Lady Justice, which will give us no justice. Justice is the civil magistrate punishing people for crimes. Forget about their race. If you're a white guy and you steal something from a black guy and you're not racist, whatever it was that you stole, you should get justice for that's paying it back. If you're a white racist guy and you stole something, the same thing. It doesn't matter what your race is or if you're racist. People who deal with the racism are the church and the family. People who deal with the justice are the courts. The justice doesn't need an adjective. There is no adjective in front of justice. 
It is. What did you do? And as long as she keeps on trying to pull the blindfold off of Lady Justice, she will smear justice. We won't get it because Lady Justice is supposed to be able to hear a case and to say, "Okay, what was it that was done to the individual that was a crime? If that thing that was done to an individual was a crime and we have testimonies by two or three witnesses, then this is what justice looks like. It doesn't matter if it was black or white or what color it was. I'm going to tell you right now, you steal something from me. It don't matter what color you are. We're going to have a problem. If you hurt my family and I had to defend my family, I don't care what color you are. We're going to have a problem. And people right now are acting like there's this this idea that somehow one group of people is more corrupt than the other group of people or one group of people are acting because they hate these. It don't matter if they hate that person. Hate is a sin. The people who deal with sins are the church and the family. The people who deal with crimes are the civil magistrate. And when we start blurring those two lines, we get stupid tweets like that. Dave, you've made a brilliant point. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to follow up later this week on just that point about who deals with racism. We're talking about crimes yeah. of the mind, crimes of the heart. That's right. And and like it, it, it's the government's job to deal with criminal actions. And so if there's laws on the books that say a black person can't go here or there, the government needs to deal with that and strike down those laws. But people have a right to think and believe whatever the hell they want. And God will deal with that. And the church should deal with that. And their family should deal with that. It's a brilliant point. We keep looking for the government to do things the government cannot do. And, and again, it's like if you have any understanding of the world, and uh, any kind of biblical worldview. Unfairness was unleashed into the world in the Garden of Eden by Adam and Eve. Preach now. And, <laughs> and so we're looking for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and somebody else to fix something that's been a problem since the very beginning of time. Come on now. That, that's only God can repair that. And I try to say it to people all the time. Uh, we're going to get into it later in the week, but Dave, I got to let you go. I want <laughs> to tell you it. about my good friends at Good Ranchers. Great job. All right, uh, with the holidays quickly approaching, you need to see our friends over at Good Ranchers to cover your needs. Order their family feast bundle or their better than organic chicken package to bring the holiday cheer to everyone. You'll get fresh, high quality chicken and beef that's been grass fed and finished off on grain. Good Ranchers taste better than anything you can get from their online competitors or at your local grocery store. And all of this can be shipped directly to you in individually sealed and seasoned packages. With Good Ranchers, you receive 100% American farm-raised meat 100% of the time. Go to GoodRanchers.com to buy it now or subscribe today and save 20% off each box of mouthwatering meats. Subscribing brings the cost down to less than $5 a meal. Plus, right now, get an additional $20 off and free express shipping. If you go to GoodRanchers.com, slash fearless or use the promo code fearless at checkout that's twenty dollars off and free express shipping at goodranches.com slash fearless you guys know support good ranchers because they support me and this show they support you goodranches.com slash fearless i believe jack posavik is 
Thanks. All right, welcome back. I'm really excited about this uh, next guest, Jack Posobiec. Uh, he's a senior editor at Human Events. He hosts a podcast over at Turning Point uh, USA. Uh, he's one of the best follows on Twitter. I think I started following Jack a year or two ago, maybe longer. Uh, he's been all over the Cal Rittenhouse case. Uh, I want to welcome Jack onto the show. Jack, before we get to Rittenhouse, I want to just briefly talk a little bit about yourself, just because it's the first time I'm interviewing you. Some of my audience may not be familiar with you. They may go to Wikipedia or Google and read all this terrible stuff. Oh, you're alt-right, you're alt-light, you're an internet troll, you're this, you're that. And so I would like for you to define yourself and your point of view uh, to the audience and, and tell us who you are, how you came about. Just take 90 seconds, two minutes or whatever. Tell us a little bit about yourself uh, so that people won't have to rely on what Northern California, how they've tried to define you. Yeah, Jason, I appreciate that. And it's it's pretty sad that when you're somebody who's been uh, out there in the world and really just representing yourself, that you'll have people take your words out of context, misrepresent you, lie about you, smear at you. And then Northern California, Silicon Valley will go and put their definition on you rather than what you say. Look, I'm a conservative guy, uh, Polish family out of the Philadelphia area, served the United States Navy. This was a Navy Intel officer. And I've always just been, you know, considered myself a conservative. I was a college Republican at Temple University. I was the um, the chairman there at College Republicans. Then I became the statewide executive director for the Pennsylvania College Republicans. Uh, following that, moved to China for a couple of years, was working with the American Chamber of Commerce. And then eventually I uh, was working in international business in Shanghai for a while, learned to speak fluent Mandarin, came back home, joined the U.S. military, specifically the U.S. Navy, with a focus on China, really focusing on the CCP was essentially my uh, my target focus, although for one year, the Navy found fit to send me down to Guantanamo Bay, where I worked in the interrogation cell for one deployment, uh, came back, returned back to more of that Asia, East Asia focus, uh, served multiple deployments in East Asia, working as director of an intel up, up to the point where I was working as director of an intelligence unit, and then came back and uh, really just, you know, kind of through social media and, um, you know, being able to come on a podcast and different shows like yourself right here, I'm doing right now, I was able to sort of kind of make a brand for myself that way. And and uh, have now switched to doing that full time. Uh, one thing you left out, you're a big fan, big supporter of Mike Lindell and my pillow. And I appreciate it. <laughs> I appreciate that. Well, it hey, uh, you people say, how do you do it? I say, I get the best night's sleep in the whole wide world from <laughs> mypillow.com. <laughs> uh, so you've also the best, one of the best followers I've found on Cal Rittenhouse and what's going on here. You followed the trial very closely. I, I want to start here with just a general question. If the jury does what it should do, find him, acquit him of these crimes, do you think, do you expect there will be riots in Wisconsin this week? 
Well, it's hard to say. I mean, right now, I don't think there will be uh, serious riots. And of course, I might, um, you know, might be eating crow on that prediction right now. But I think that a lot of this activity we saw in 2020 was ginned up because it was an election year. And I think that people, uh, whether it be mayors or whether it be governors of some of these big cities, and a lot of these rioters, for people who don't know the geography, Chicago is only about 45 minutes south of Kenosha. And so while everybody wants to make a big deal of the fact that Kyle Rittenhouse crossed state lines, only about 20 minutes away from Kenosha, where his father lives, they don't point out the fact that this riot mob traveled also across state lines to incite a riot and to uh, hold a riot, I guess, whatever you call it, uh, in in the city of Kenosha for three nights, burning cars, smashing buildings. I actually was there two weeks after all this happened and we were walking through seeing the devastation seeing the destruction you had people who had boarded up their homes and had written do not burn children and live animals inside right this is how crazy stuff was that night in kenosha and so i don't think without the massive mainstream media propaganda operation really pushing and inflaming the tensions of these communities that you're going to see the level of just horrific violence that you saw in kenosha last year do i think there'll be protests absolutely do i think there'll be people who are upset absolutely but i don't think you're going to see anything near what we saw during that summer of rage of 2020 that of course the media the left and the administration, the current administration, want to act like never happened. Maybe I've just seen too many uh, Joy Reid highlights and and not <laughs> gauging the rest of the media ecosystem. And so well, you Joy think Reed, the but, media, has, has the media been a bit more responsible as it relates to coverage of this trial than perhaps I'm giving them credit for? Well, I wouldn't necessarily say that they've been responsible in the coverage of this trial. I guess what I mean to say is, remember, the original tensions were inflamed in Kenosha, not because of Kyle Rittenhouse, but because of the shooting of Jacob Blake. Jacob Blake was a guy who was involved in a domestic dispute with a former girlfriend. She had had a restraining order against against him. Uh, There was a potential sexual assault. He had come at her. There were kids involved. And then when she called police, um, he charged the police essentially with a knife drawn and so police open fire um of course the media even jake taper by the way at cnn up to just a few weeks ago have have been uh, continuing to spread this false narrative that jacob blake was unarmed when we can see the videos we can see the still frames we can see he's got a huge knife in his hand right it's very obvious he came with the police armed he could have dropped it could have put his hands up it's all on video and so no i don't think you've seen that type of context of the crazy media um just uh, screaming about race issues and screaming about culture issues that's going on now, what you do see, though, is false narratives about what happened the night at Kenosha. They want you to think, and Joe Scarborough did this on MSNBC just over the weekend. He said Kyle Rittenhouse showed up to a place that he wasn't supposed to be. Not true. You, you can be at any town in the United States of America. You're free citizens, free country. And he said that Kyle Rittenhouse fired 60 rounds into the crowd, right? They're trying to make this out like this was an active shooter situation and that this, we were hearing in the prosecution's argument today as well in his closing, that it was an active shooter situation and these people were trying to stop an active shooter. No, absolutely not, right? This was a guy who was providing medical aid to people on both sides of the aisle, by the way. Didn't care if you were there, supported the protests, against the protests, part of the riots, not a part of the riots. He was providing 
providing medical aid right up until the moment that the mob started chasing him down the road. And he was providing medical aid indiscriminately, regardless of what anyone's political beliefs were or, uh, or why they were out there that night. Nina Turner, I was talking about this earlier today. She's some sort of politician from Ohio. She tweeted out a, a, a series of things that I just find mind blowing to do this on November 15th when there's so much information out there. If Kyle Rittenhouse were black, he would have been killed for holding that weapon. What's a justice system without justice? I, for my first thought on that is like, well, hold on. Timothy Simpkins in Texas took a gun to school, shot four people out on bond 24 hours later. Uh, somehow he didn't get shot. Then she tweeted, a white woman drove her white son across state lines with an AR-15 where he then killed two people and wounded a third. Jacob Blake was shot in the back by this same police department for less. These are just, there's so much misinformation just bad, that, on November 15th, I don't even know if you can authentically believe the things that she's saying, or could she really be that uninformed to know that the AR-15 was purchased in Wisconsin, housed in Wisconsin, and a judge uh, on November 15th actually said, you know what, it's all legal, we're tossing those charges out. I guess it's that kind of fan-flaming uh, are flaming the fans and racial division being promoted by Nina Turner that have me fearful of how people are going to react in the aftermath of a potential not guilty verdict. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And it's it's funny because I actually like Nina Turner a lot on on other issues. I think that she's someone who's very interesting. I love when she's on TV. Um, there was a lot there were a lot of points when she was obviously with the Bernie Sanders campaign for a while. Uh, I found her a very interesting breath of fresh air when she was on MSNBC. And then she just, it just makes me so disappointed when she drives into this misinformation, this complete thicket of misinformation. And she's repeating stuff that's been debunked and debunked over and over. And it's like, Nina, you don't need to go down this road. You can actually, like, if you're someone who's actually against criminal prosecutors, if you're someone who's for criminal justice reform, and we hear this again and again, well, look, Look, the prosecutors are lying. We've got them tampering with evidence because we've seen the way they're trying to manipulate this photograph to say, well, maybe he was holding the gun left handed and it's a little bit blurry. But if you look at the pixels over, it's a joke. It's a complete joke. So, Nina, I think you could actually come across the aisle and make a lot of political points here if you start telling the truth about what's going on. Because if you look at the broader picture, if the issue is corruption in government, whether that's corruption at the local level, the federal level, local prosecutors or the FBI, I think there's a lot of people who would agree on that. But one thing I would say to her specific tweet, she said, oh, they would have killed the person. Well, Nina, they did try to kill Kyle Rittenhouse. An entire mob of people tried to kill Kyle Rittenhouse. <laughs> That's the entire point. That's why we're here today. Yeah, uh, they wanted him to be Ahmad Arbery 2.0. Although, you know, I, I get they would argue that, you know, Ahmad didn't have a gun, but, but great point. Tell me this, Jack, what is the public's greatest misperception about what happened with Kyle Rittenhouse and what happened in Kenosha on August 25th? 
Yeah, I think the biggest misconception that I hear from people is when they say, oh, he shouldn't have been there that night. He shouldn't have been there that night. And look, I'm a father. I've got two young boys. Even sitting here today, I don't know what would happen if they came to me and said that I want to go get involved with something like that. Right. I don't know what they would say. But when I heard the jury selection of this case and because I've gone there, I've gone to that area in Kenosha. I was there two weeks after. And I heard people saying in the jury selection that they were scared for their lives. They were scared for the families. Remember, this was night three of people from outside your town, outside your village that are coming through marauding, right? It's marauding. This is an ancient primal kind of thing where they're coming into your town, burning everything. You had one woman said that she stayed overnight at the church with her family because she thought that they might burn down my house, but they surely won't go after the church, right? That's how bad things had gotten in Kenosha. And the mayor of Kenosha, John Adaramian, and the governor of Wisconsin, Tony Everts, both Democrats, by the way, did absolutely nothing to shut this down. Why didn't they do anything to shut this down? Because they viewed it as these guys were on our side. The rioters were on our side politically. And anybody who's against them must be on the other side. That's not how our system is supposed to work. You are supposed to be able to defend the innocent civilians, the people who are caught in between this stuff. You should never justify or allow political violence or any violence in any of its forms. That's the problem. So when you're in a situation where this town has been completely terrorized night after night after night, I'm not saying that I would let my kids do it, but I am saying that I can see why he did what he did. Jack, I will say this. If, if we dialed this all the way back to 1892, and this was a story about the KKK and uh, the KKK burn, uh, burning down a city, terrorizing a black community, and, and a 17-year-old got a gun and decided to protect his little community. And let's keep in mind, Rittenhouse's dad lived in Kenosha. He only lived 20 minutes away. This is his community. But they would make some sort of movie called Kenosha is Burning, and Kyle Rittenhouse, or if his name was LeBron Rittenhouse, would be portrayed as a hero who wow. came and protected his community when they were being terrorized by these outsiders who were burning down buildings and rioting and looting. They would make a movie celebrating Kyle Rittenhouse, the black version, and, and I, I'm sorry, that I don't think I wouldn't want my son, if I had one, out there doing what Kyle Rittenhouse did. But I understand why his motivations. He's 17. In a year, if he joined the Marines because his community was under attack and he went to go, you know, he wanted to pick yep. up a gun and defend us on 9-11, he'd be called a hero. And so I, I, I don't have a real hard time understanding what was motivating Kyle Rittenhouse. I'm having a very difficult time trying to understand what's motivating the people attacking Kyle Rittenhouse, particularly when you consider the first victim, Rosenbaum, just out of a psych ward, convicted pedophile child molester, the second guy, criminal with a criminal past, uh, attacks him with a skateboard, and the third guy points a gun at his head. I just don't understand why people find it so hard 
to understand why Kyle Rittenhouse fired in self-defense. No, it's as simple as this. It's people have stopped viewing everyone as an American. We've gotten away from this idea that we're all Americans and we're all due the same rights. We're endowed with those rights, et cetera, et cetera. We've gotten away from that. And now it's about how do you identify? Well, oh, are you on this team or are you on that team? Are you part of my group? Or are you part of the other group? Well, if you're the opposition, then I've got to use the government against you. You know, I even see people on Twitter, et cetera, all, every day, people who are criminal justice advocates, who are advocates for pr prison reform, will be coming out like Hakeem Jeffries, screaming, you got to lock Kyle up and throw away the key. And it's like, wait, aren't you the guy who's always talking about corruption? prosecutions and we need to redo the evidence and we need to look into things and yet you, when someone's on the other side you're going to turn around and say something like that you're destroying everything that you've ever worked for because i do think that we have issues with prosecutors i think anybody who's looking at this case could say we've got issues with the prosecutorial system in our system of justice in the united states i wish we could actually just sit down and say let's put the politics out of it and say look do we want our kid? You could do this to anybody, by the way. You could do this to anybody. Anybody who had a gun, who defended himself, you take the politics out of it. You could start everything. Well, did you provoke it? Why did you bring the gun? Why did you do this? They could do it to my kid. They could do it to your kid. They could do it to any one of us who got into, you know, walking into their car and gets mugged and then all of a sudden wants to defend themselves and you turn it into something that it never was. Jack, I'm going to let you go, but I want to ask one other question. I thank you for being so gracious with your time. But the the prosecutor, I think Binger or Binger, I think is his name. Thomas Binger. I think, yeah, I think he's done a lot of inappropriate things in this trial. I'm wondering if there's one thing in particular where you were like, oh, your head nearly exploded. I can't believe he did this. I can't, and, and part of me, and this will be the last part of the question, is just like, I think the prosecutor, even by bringing this case, is the most inappropriate thing he's done because he's put these jurors in the crosshairs of idiots like the guy claiming to be George Floyd's nephew or whatever. This trial should have never been brought to case because it's a clear example of self-defense, in my opinion. That, to me, is the most... Uh, inappropriate thing he did, but he, he did it to protect himself and to pass the buck on to jurors, ordinary citizens. That's what I find most outrageous about this. Look, I mean, you, you can say so many things. I mean, for example, at one point he says, uh, well, you know, we can all see this video. This guy's chasing Kyle Rittenhouse. And he, he his response is, oh, he's not chasing him. They're just running along in the same path or saying that he's <laughs> holding a gun left handed where you can't and nobody can see him holding a gun left handed. He's got strapped in a certain way that you can't actually shoulder it left handed or saying things like if you carry a gun, you lose the right to self-defense. Nope. Second <laughs> Amendment covers that all day long. But at the end of the day, they're trying to scapegoat this kid. They are trying to make him into an example because of their own failures as government. But I will point to one specific thing that even even the judge blew up on it. I think a lot of people pointed this out. When Kyle Rittenhouse took that very risky step of taking the stand himself, right? A lot of defense lawyers say, don't do this. And we'll, we'll find out whether or not it was the right move. But the first thing that Binger said to him was, now you've never told your side of the story before. Excuse me. We have something in this country called 
the Fifth Amendment, and that means you have the right to remain silent. That's not just something they say on TV, the boys and girls. That's an actual right. They can't use that against you if you don't want to speak out and incriminate yourself or speak out at all. That is an inviolable right under our Constitution, and he used that against Kyle Rittenhouse in front of the jury. Jack, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Jason. Glad to be here. God bless. Uh, all right. God bless you, too. All right. We got a new sponsor I want to tell you about, Paint Your Life. If you're looking for a special gift for someone this holiday season, something truly unique and personal, we've got a great idea for you. At PaintYourLife.com, you can have an original painting by a world-class artist done by hand from your photo at an affordable price. Send any picture, yourself, your kids, a special place, or a cherished pet. You can even combine several photos into one painting. With Paint Your Life's compilation portraits, you'll bring together family members who never had the chance to meet. They'll make a group painting of the whole family without the need for everyone to be there for the photo. And just to show you how great of a product they produce, here, look at this. <laughs> is your boy and Uncle Jimmy. Look at that. Look, you can have something of this quality made in your home. We didn't pose for this picture. We sent them a picture. They did the drawing. This is incredible. They made me look young. I damn near look like I'm 40 in that picture. Uh, you know, I almost look slim in here too. You can have them shave off a few pounds. Uh, this, I'm, this, is an awesome Christmas gift that your family will remember. This is something personal. Those of you that struggle sometimes, because I do sometimes, like, you've been giving out gifts for so long, how do you personalize it? How do you make it something that the person that receives it, you make sure they'll never have anything else like it? Paint your life. It's all, look, if you don't love the final painting, your money is refunded, guaranteed, and right now is a limited time offer. Get 20% off your painting. That's right, 20% off and free shipping. To get this special offer, text the word FEARLESS to 64,000. That's FEARLESS to 64,000. Text FEARLESS to 64,000. Paint your life. Celebrate the moments that matter the most. Get you one of these pictures like me and Uncle Jimmy got. This is awesome. And this is why Paint for Life is one of our best sponsors. I absolutely love this. You should love it too. Get Support Paint for Your Life. They support us. They support the Fearless Army. Get your soldiers their own little painting. All right, stick around. TJ Moe. Next. All right, welcome back. Uh, time to bring in our newest recruit. He lives in St. Louis, Missouri. He's a former uh, Missouri Tiger wide receiver, uh, TJ Moe. We had him on the show, I believe, last week. And we're going to start using TJ a little bit more often. TJ, obviously, former great athlete, former great Division I athlete at Mizzou. But he also follows the political world uh, pretty closely and has a, quite a bit of a reputation in, in St. Louis. And so, uh, TJ, welcome back to the show. I'm going to start you out talking a little Cal Rittenhouse uh, because that's been our topic of the day. And then we'll switch to some NFL stuff. But uh, Rittenhouse, I'm wondering, because I know you're a bit of a gun 
collector or you have guns and that you're, I wouldn't call you a hunter, but you've done a little bit of hunting. Your friends are hunters or whatever. I, I, you, we were talking earlier today and you wanted to explain the difference between an AR-15 and perhaps the way the media is portraying the gun that uh, Kyle Rittenhouse was carrying that night. Yeah, thanks, Jason. So the AR-15 is is demonized. Um, for whatever reason, I, it's obviously the look of it. It looks like a military-grade weapon. I think most of the media in general, we can all agree, leans left, and, and the left typically hates guns. Uh, and so they pick the scariest-looking gun, and they say that's terrible. He That belongs in the military, and he's a murderer. And that's about as far as they go in their story. Um, the AR-15, I think, was first rolled out in, like, the 50s, and we actually tried it in the Vietnam War. And we were getting our butts kicked so bad by the AK-47s, we actually pulled it out, and that's how the M-16 was created. So it is funny. Everybody tries to tell you that it, it is a military-grade weapon, uh, and it wasn't good enough for the military. In fact, you and I talked a little bit uh, this morning. It can be used for hunting. I mean, it's, it's a bit of an all-encompassing gun. It's, it's for home defense. It's obviously good to... Uh, strap on your shoulder, you can take it hunting, but it actually lacks the stopping power that you would typically want. I mean, you'd normally use a 300 win or a 308 or a 30-06 that has more stopping power. So there is some irony in uh, in the the fact that it doesn't have enough stopping power for a deer, and people are saying this should not be taken out in the general public. I mean, in general, AR-15s kill almost no one in comparison to normal handguns. A handgun in 2020 killed over 8,000 people. Uh, rifles, and this is including shotguns and any other long gun, killed 455. So you are 17 times as likely to die at the hands of a handgun than a rifle. And so they just pick something that's scary looking. They say, look, this belongs in the military and this guy belongs in jail. You know, I wish I had the exact number because I looked it up last week. Knives actually killed more people than the AR-15. And you won't hear people campaigning for, you know, we got to end all knives because they actually killed more people than AR-15. And, and I, I have actually talked to some hunters that like to use the AR-15. I know most people use it for, for personal protection, but it, it's almost a mute point now because the judge, earlier today dismissed all the gun charges. He had it legally. Even at age 17, he could carry it. Again, that's been a part of the false news narrative that's kind of tracked and hunted and demonized uh, Cal Rittenhouse through this whole thing. Well, how did he get a gun? He brought it over illegal. Well, no, it actually was in Wisconsin. He could carry it at 17. It's an open carry state. He didn't do anything illegal as it relates to the gun. The other thing that's been kind of minimizes everyone, and I, I had one of my best friends, one of my roommates in college told me last night, oh, he went over to Wisconsin, he was looking for trouble. I, I don't think that that's the case. I'm not sure if he was looking for trouble. I do think Rosenbaum, who just got released from a psycho ward uh, that day, I think he was looking for trouble. Uh, I think Anthony Huber, the way he reacted and tried to beat him up with a skateboard, he was looking for trouble. Generally speaking, when I see someone with a gun, I don't go attack them. But anyway, I, I, I actually believe Kyle Rittenhouse naively thought he was going over to Kenosha, Wisconsin uh, to protect people and property. 
Yeah, and there's a big distinction there because in Wisconsin, you're not allowed to use lethal force to protect property. That is against the law, and he would be in jail for that. And so he should know the laws, as all of us should know the laws in our own state. It's a little bit different everywhere. Uh, in Missouri, it's the same way where I live. You can't kill somebody protecting property. But that's not why he went. He went with an AR-15 so that if he had to protect himself, he could. But the real reason he went is because that was his community, and that's where his dad lived. And he had friends there, and they, they went by this one particular business all the time, and they wanted to volunteer, say, hey, we're going to stand out in front, and we're going to help people. I mean, the kid was a police explorer for the Grays Lake Police Department. He was a cadet in the Antioch Fire Department where he lived in Illinois. He was a certified lifeguard trained in CPR, defibrillator use, and basic life support. Like, people are acting like he knew nothing, and he stood there pointing a gun at all the rioters, we have video, and, and I hope America was actually watching this trial because it wasn't great for the prosecution. We have video of him running around with his hand up, screaming friendly, 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 and trying to give medical attention to everyone. That's the, that's the primary point. The secondary point is this, and I don't know why we can't have a conversation about this in general. If the, if the state and local government is not going to step into your communities. What do they think is going to happen? If they will not step up and protect your businesses and your people and the police are just standing by, who do, you, do they not think that people are gonna step up and protect their own communities? Like that's what men do, right? I, if, if I'm at a house, right, and, and I have, you know, if I live in a group with, with my dad and my grandpa and, and a, a group of people that refuse to protect my house, guess what I'm doing? I'm stepping out front and I'm protecting my house. I mean, this is what you do as a man. You step up and protect it. So the idea that the state and local governments were going to do absolutely nothing for three days while Kenosha burned. I have some family that lives right there. They were scared to death. Their, their community was burning. Why do we think it's the worst thing in the world that some people went out there and said, we're going to put a stop to this? Uh, I tend to agree with you on that in terms of if 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 it happens to my mom's neighborhood, I'm showing up, uh, <laughs> you know, and I'm going to show up prepared to do whatever's necessary to protect my mom and her neighborhood. My dad has passed, and I but I know what he. I saw my dad in action. He carried a 38, and he lived in the hood, and he had no problem pulling that joker out. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to uh, pivot and talk a little NFL football. Aaron Rodgers. Uh, returned to the football field last night, uh, helped the Green Bay Packers win a game 17 to nothing. Uh, there was a lot of conversation about the COVID deal, and I, w I want you guys to listen to uh, Tony Romo and Jim Nance acting like Aaron Rodgers apologized, but I'm not sure if he actually did, but listen to Tony Romo. He owned up to his misleading comments, saying I misled some people about my status, which I take full responsibility for. We did talk to Aaron yesterday, Tony, and he said, was anything misrepresented during all of this? Because it's been the subject of so much attention. He said, hey, I said what I said, and I stand by it. Yeah, and I was glad that he came out and said how he had misled people. And I think the biggest thing, you know, it's a polarizing issue, but I can promise you he felt the weight of it the last few weeks it's been something that he's not thinking about anything else and it's been a very challenging make no mistake week for him and coming into this game i think he's ready to play football and this organization wants to as well and try and put that behind him and move on so i i guess what they're saying you know they're complimenting him for saying he misled people and 
I'm if the guy had misled people about his own personal health, I'm just sorry I don't have a problem with it. Uh, and and you got a pretty good. I love the show Game of Thrones. You kind of got a Game of Thrones analogy to what you think's going on with uh, Aaron Rodgers. I do. Well, first, uh, I find it hilarious that 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 was such a lack of apology that Tony Romo basically had to say, "Well, I'm glad he didn't lie about lying." Like he's like he acknowledged <laughs> that he lied. Well, that's good, right? Uh, that was an unbelievable lack of an apology, and and good. I'm with you. Like we said, I mean, they put him in such a no-win position that saying it's none of your business is an acknowledgement that you're not vaccinated. And, and when you get into your health stuff, uh, I'm not interested in that either. I, I have no problem with him, quote, misleading the media. And, uh, and he stood by his words. Look, let's take a step back for a second, okay? The vaccine, take the vaccine compliance obsession out of the equation for just one second. If I told you that Aaron Rodgers had 13 times the protection against the virus as the guy standing next to him, would you treat Aaron Rodgers as the more dangerous human? Of course you wouldn't do that. That would be crazy. Um, that is what we're seeing right now. Uh, there was a study in Israel that was conducted in August, pretty, pretty large study. I think there was about 70, 75,000 people in general. And for whatever reason, in Israel, uh, stuff's not nearly as polarized. They use primarily the Pfizer vaccine as, as we have done here. And so it's actually it's instructive to us and to what they're seeing. So they did a pretty large study and they said, based on what we're seeing, the vaccinated people were 13 times as likely to be infected and seven times as likely to be hospitalized than those who had natural immunity. Okay, so here's where we're standing. Aaron Rodgers obviously has natural immunity. We can all acknowledge that he's tested negative. You, your body produces antibodies. That's, that's how the body works. But the NFL is still saying you're unvaccinated. You need to go through the unvaccinated protocols. And that means we're going to do contact tracing. And that means you're going to have a 10-day uh, quarantine. If you test positive again, that means that uh, with the contact tracing, you have like a five-day quarantine if you've come anywhere near people if you have to get tested every single day if you miss a single test then you have to test negative for five straight days before they let you back into the facility that's what happened to cam newton and so you've got all these crazy rules with a person that is 13 times uh more safe than the next guy right these guys by the way as, as we talked about last time we were here it's not like these vaccines are working very well i mean by the time you get to 16 months uh, excuse me, six months, then they're about half as effective as they were. If you got Johnson and Johnson, good luck. Uh, it's down to 13% efficacy. So we're in a place where the NFL does not care. They care only about compliance. And so th this is this is no different than Cersei Lannister. This is the walk of shame. He's going to sit there naked, ringing his bell over Zoom because he doesn't want to wear his mask for the rest of the year. And he's not going to uh, he's not going to comply. And so they've got him doing this walk of shame. And the walk of shame is strictly because he did not follow what the NFL wants. This, this drives me insane about the NFL. The NFL is proving that they care nothing about safety or science, because if they did, they would reevaluate this whole thing. They care only about optics, control, and avoiding the rage of the woke mob. That is it. Uh, you've referenced my favorite character from Game of Thrones, Cersei Lannister. Uh, her walk of shame is one of my favorite scenes. I've probably seen it 30 times. That was, uh, you know, so uh, thank you for that, uh, for putting that image mm -hmm. in my mind. All right. <laughs> let, let's, let's wrap here by talking a little bit about uh, Cam Newton, who uh, came back to play last uh, yesterday and had a pretty, pretty positive out, outcome or impact on the Carolina Panthers. They won in a blowout. 
they beat the Arizona Cardinals who played without uh, Kyler Murray. Cam Newton is involved in two touchdowns and in a typical Cam Newton type celebration. Take a look for yourself. Resign with the Panthers on Thursday. Just three days ago, McCaffrey split out wide to the right. Newton takes the snap, and he is in for a Panthers touchdown. Yes, he is. Wow. Mm. Uh, Cam Newton scores on a two-yard touchdown run, and he's back. Uh, you know, that's typical Cam Newton. He makes a nice play, but he makes it all about himself uh, immediately afterwards. Your thoughts on what we saw from Cam Newton yesterday? Cam Newton had nowhere to go. He went back to the only people that were familiar with him and probably – uh, could still see that they had some sex, uh, some, uh, I hope not some sex, they had some success with him back in 2015 when they went to the Super Bowl and he was an MVP. Like, Cam Newton's not the same guy he was. Is it any surprise to anybody in the world that he didn't work in New England? He, to me, I mean, Belichick gives him nice reviews, says he was wonderful to coach, but he was never really a team guy, certainly not the way he celebrates, certainly not the way he goes about his business, in my point of view. The Patriots are all about team guys. We didn't see Tom Brady coming out of his show until he left and went to Tampa Bay. So, look, he had nowhere to go. Um, they took him back. This offense is not tailored for him, obviously. It's tailored for Sam Darnold. And he, it's not, if you look at the highlights on ESPN, you would think he played the entire game and scored all 30-something points. He did not. He played a few plays uh, in which he did what Cam Newton does. By the way, he's a little bit out of shape, as anybody would be if they sat out for the last several months. I mean, he doesn't look like the Cam that we saw. He got around the end. He's six foot six. He's a big guy, and he's got some speed, but he's not who he once was, certainly in 2015. I don't think he is who he was when he played in the final preseason game for the Patriots. So this is a flash in the pan. It's a nice story. People I think uh, because of his big smile and because he uh, you know, dresses like uh, Russell Westbrook and is, is you know, uh, out there flamboyant and garners some attention, I think the media especially would like him to succeed. But it, but it ain't happening. Um, it, it's, again, it's a nice little celebration. I don't think we'll be talking about him next week, much less at the end of the season. TJ, great job as always. Uh, we'll see you again later this week. All right, that's TJ Moe, <laughs> former Mizzou wide receiver. Newest member of the uh, Fearless Army. All right, go to YouTube.com slash Jason Whitlock. Hit that subscribe, hit that notification, hit the likes. Leave me a comment. I'll be in the comments a little bit later. All right, uh, we're going to have an approval rating on Cam Newton. Uncle Jimmy will be back, as Cam Newton said. Nerds. I just want, I want to be, I just want, I want to be, I just all right, welcome back. Time for our approval rating on Cam Newton. He's back. So that what he, that's what he shot. Are you wearing camo to honor Cam? 
Is this is that what this is? I'm honestly, man. I'm just in that fear. I'm in that fearless army mode, man. This is what we're doing. This is what I'm doing. I'm about it. If you see me out, this is how you gonna see me. You ever see those Michael Jordan commercials about t-shirts and the neck? Getting like you need the is it Hanes or something? Yeah, yeah. Your neck's all crinkly. My neck look look a little bad. A little crinkly, man, or something. Maybe you don't lost too much weight and the shirt is too big on you or something. Did you just go there again? What? Did you lose too much weight or did you lose weight? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking of that, since you want to go there, yeah. and, and I, I might get in trouble. This, we got a new sponsor. Yeah. Uh, what, what are they called? Uh, Paint Your Life? Yeah. And you talking about how great they made you look in the picture? Yeah. You do understand that these people are artists. They're not butchers. <laughs> you talking about, oh, they can just cut pounds of flesh off of you in the heart. No, man, there's only so much they can do. Oh, they're artists. They're not butchers. They yeah. can't just cut off flesh like that. Anyway, anyway, we're not talking about me. We're talking about Cam Newton. And did you see? You, you know, yeah, I, I saw touchdown. I saw Cam. Man. I'm back, and I'm. You know, I, he had to. He couldn't celebrate the team. He couldn't pretend to be humble. I, I guess that's not Cam Newton. He's he's got to always play the role of Superman in a, a two yard touchdown. Cam Newton act like you would act when you went back, if you went back to ESPN. (laughs) I'm back! (laughs) I mean, you wouldn't come back in. You know, would you go back in humbly? You know, uh, hi, Steven. Well, no, one, listen, the difference is this here is an individual sport. Media. Mm -hmm. This is bluster and ego and all that plays a big role in your success. He's playing a team sport. His teammates come to celebrate with him after he scores the touchdown. You know Cam run too fast. They couldn't catch up with him. They did catch up with him, Jim, and he just totally ignored him. He he, like, they couldn't catch him. He was, he was gloating too hard. Yes, and he, just, he acted like he did it all himself. And, the, you know, I just... You Cam know, Cam wants it to be 1990 or, or 2000 and... 10 all over again or whatever. What year was he MVP? 2012? 2015? I don't know, but he was here. doing Danning commercials. He ain't doing them <laughs> no more. But you, you know who can remind me of? I can just throw this out. Did you watch the game last night? Did you the NFL game? The, the game last the Chiefs? night? Chiefs? Uh, no, no, excuse me. The game between uh, Seattle and Green Bay. Yes. Did you watch the game? You, you know who Cam reminds me of? Or should I say who's following in Cam's footsteps? Little Metcalf from Seattle. DK Metcalf? DK Metcalf with the blue hair. The- Dude, I, I'm literally, yesterday I had a dream about... Did you dyed your hair blue? No, oh. that like Reggie White came back to the NFL. Mm. And that, that he was a, this super outspoken guy in terms of masculinity. And literally, I'm telling you, I had this dream like Reggie White came back and started calling all these dudes out like, hey man, why are y'all spending more time at the beauty shop than your mama? What's going on here? Who has time to get their hair dyed different colors every week? Who has time to sit between somebody's legs and get their hair braided? I mean, who who prioritizes all this? And I literally was thinking like somebody as cold as Reggie White just like calling these athletes out for like, can we, can we just get back to being men? Could, could we, I mean, all this fashion show stuff, and I, I look at Cam and the way he dresses every time. I was like, who's coordinating this? Is he, who, is he paying a woman, a man, who 
to lay these foolish clothes out that he wears. He lets his kids dress him. His kids be like, Daddy, we want you to wear this. And then you wear the blue shirt <laughs> with the pink hat with the bonnet. That's what you wear, Daddy. <laughs> I just don't get it. And, and I... Hey, man, can I say something to you about hair that I didn't know? Because, you know, my son, 16 years old, he yeah. now gets his hair braided. So I took him to get his hair braided. And she says, and I didn't know this, she said, do you just want to get it braided or do you want me to add some weave? Most of these guys that you see that have these dreads, have these dreads, I mean, these guys got weave in their hair, man. I want to know if that's a thousand percent true or not, because I've often wondered that. I mean, I'm not saying... We're going to have to call in an expert. I want to get to the bottom of that. Hey, man, we got a lot of these NFL players. They got more weave than women. Jim, now I'm going to be honest with you. I would love for you to go to a, a barbershop or a beauty shop and do an investigation on that. On tomorrow at 3.30 to drop my son off. I would love, you need to take Corey or someone. We need a video of Uncle Jimmy in the barbershop Discuss, look, have a discussion with a barber or barbers about like what's going on with these men and how much time we spending on our hair, man. I saw some story. Didn't Chris Rock do a documentary on hair and, and how much money black women spent on their hair? And it's like I'm looking men now are starting to do the exact same thing. Man, I, I got to tell you this, man. I, we wasn't supposed to talk, but I, so we're talking about hair. I, I just want to share this with you. That's Cam one, Newton. Cam one of the things that blew me away in working in law enforcement and working in the jail is you would see killers, killers, certified killers, sitting in between grown men's legs with their head like this while they braiding their hair. <laughs> killers! <laughs> sitting comfortably between a grown man's legs with his sack on his neck while they braiding his hair. <laughs> and here's the question that I wanted to know. How the hell did you learn how to braid hair that good? It's a hustle, man. <laughs> Wait, this is a true story. A, a, a dude's girl, a dude had a visit. And his girlfriend came to visit him. His girlfriend broke up with him because thought he was fooling around in jail and had another man braiding his hair. I ain't making that up, man. <laughs> let's get let's to go. Our, yeah, let's get let's to go. Our approval of Cam Newton. Uh, who, anyway, job let's performance. Go. I've got Cam at a 14. Uh, you know, I, I know he's celebrating like he was the return of MVP Cam Newton, but two-yard run, a little short touchdown pass. I got him at a 14. Jason, the man ran four plays and got two touchdowns. You can't be mad at him. He ran four plays and got two touchdowns. That's a hell of a job performance. I'm just going to say. <laughs> you got him at a perfect 25. Yes, sir. Uh, character, uh, I got him at a 13. I'm kind of middle of the road on cameras. Uh, you look at that hair, them glasses, them bonnets. You look at DK Metcalf. You tell me them characters don't look like a group of clowns? <laughs> They're not playing their role? They're not doing exactly what America wants them to do. They're not projecting that image into our young youth. That they, that, that, that's not the image they want projected. You make a good point, Jim. 25. Uh, authenticity. Cam has convinced me that this Mrs. Bonnet role that he plays, he's really, it's authentic. So I'm going to give him uh, 20 authenticity. I, I, one thing I'm going to tell you about Cam, you, you, don't, you know, Cam got seven kids. He does? Cam has seven kids. Are you sure? Cam has seven kids. When Cam got cut 
from this last. The same mama? No. I ain't about to say mama, but nonetheless, he went, he went when he got cut, team. when he got cut from this last team, he got kicked out the house. Because, you know, he, he didn't have no money. Yeah. So he called the baby mama and said, hey, I got a new job. And she's like, who you got a job with? No, let me guess, the Panthers? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, baby, I got a job with the Panthers. She's like, you ain't going to be doing nothing but carrying a clipboard. <laughs> he's like, no, I'm, I'm going to be playing. She's like, yeah, whatever, whatever, Cam. If you score, you can come back home. <laughs> Cam scored, what'd he say? I'm home. <laughs> I'm back in there. She said, if you score on the if you score in the end zone, you can get in this other end zone too. <laughs> That's why Cam was so happy, man. That's authentic. Okay. Uh it factor. You just reminded me of uh, Harold Melvin and the Blue Nose, the song I Miss You. Yeah. You, you remember at the, you remember Harold Melvin, Teddy Pendergrass did all the singing. You thought it was Harold. You thought Melvin. it was Harold. Yeah. yeah. But Harold did all the talking at the end of, you know, like Miss You is like a 20-minute song, damn, Love it. 10 minutes. And Harold miss, does all that talking. Miss you. Miss Yeah, Harold does all that talking. And do you remember at the end, I'm going to do this whole little comedy bit about uh, if you listen to what men actually say in R&B songs, we're nuts and the women go for it and they're nuts too. It's like there's an Usher song where he says something about uh, he wants credit. I want, he basically wants credit for telling the girl that he cheated on her. And you know, I was a man about it and told you, blah, blah, blah. And, and she like just goes for I it. Just when I thought I could say, just when I thought I said all I could say, my chick on the side says she's got one on the way. <laughs> this is my confession. Yeah, it's in confession, yeah. <laughs> it's in confession. And then Harold Melvin at the end of the, he's, he goes through all this talking about his woman and trying to get her back, blah, 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 blah. And then at the very end, he goes, uh, hey, and yeah, before I go, let me ask you about how's my little man doing? Like, that's been your first question. You bring up the baby and the kid you got at the very end. How's my little man doing? Does he still talk about me? <laughs> I, I swear, it's in the song. I'm just like, man, we say some trifling stuff. And but, people, but, but how real was that? Very real. I don't even know what, what got me there. But anyway, uh, it factor for uh, Cam Newton. I have him at a uh, 12 in it factor. I think that's falling off. You got him at a zero? I'm say nothing. The brother don't do it for me. Hey, man, you know what? When you get blessed and God does something for you, man, you, you know, if something happened and you come back, come back humble. Humble yourself, man. Come on back in the door and do what you're supposed to do, man. I've got Cam Candlelit. You've got him at a grease fire. I've got him at 59. You've got him at 75, a grease fire. I, want, I just thought of the other one that uh, uh, Teddy Pentagrass song. It's a Teddy Pentagrass song where he's telling her to come over. What? Teddy Pentagrass. Turn off the light? No. Uh. But Wash it down, it's some burning hot oil, baby. <laughs> but he basically says there won't be no pressure on you. You won't be under any kind of the pressure, pressure huh, honey. Yeah. yeah, you won't be under any kind and of pressure. I swear I'll be doing the same thing for you. And I'm just like, hey, man, you just spent the past five minutes putting pressure on her. And then at the very end, <laughs> you, you won't, won't be, be under <laughs> any kind of pressure, honey. <laughs> we a mess. That's what I'm saying. We are a mess, men. We're well, a mess. Hold on. But like you yeah. said, in the words of Usher, in the words of Cam, 
I think that you should let it burn. <laughs> you know, that was him trying to convince her, hey, don't worry about these little herpes I gave you. It'll be all right. <laughs> all right, that's Tamar. You know, I think Tamar doesn't like me anymore. I'll tell you why off air. But I still love the song. I love the song, but what did you do to Tamar, man? I don't know. I, I thought know. we was going to get her in the studio, man. Well, we, I thought we were too. Anyway, we'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> It's my obligation, no hate, discrimination, raising up your hands for freedom. Raise up your hands for freedom. I just want, I wanna be, I just want, I wanna be, I just want, I wanna be.